Hey everyone, this is Chris, uh, and today's episode is the first one in a in a new two-part series uh, called From the Vault, um, meaning every once in a while I'll get in a very productive mood space and uh, mood space, and I'll uh, I'll end up recording a bunch of podcasts in one go, um, and sometimes other ones other more pressing ones come up and then these ones slip through the cracks so this one is uh, one such example uh it is about teenage mutant ninja turtles i probably recorded this uh roughly a year ago um if not a little bit more than a year ago and uh as i'm going through some of my favorite turtle moments in this episode you'll notice i don't mention anything about uh the Batman crossover with Ninja Turtles. That's because it hadn't been released yet. If it had been, um, you bet it would have ranked highly on my list. It's probably my second favorite uh, Ninja Turtles property uh, on DVD or in, in media. Um, but since I recorded this a year ago and I can't just go back and re-record an entire episode, that's where we're at. So this is the first thing from our vault. Uh, Right now, there are only two, but I'm sure they'll end up being more, especially with uh, how things are right now. Uh, I'm recording like crazy, so the vault be expanding. Anyways, hope you enjoy this episode. God bless. Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to slash watching One Cross Radio, and today we are rejoined by nobody. It's just me. Uh, we're doing another solo episode, which, uh, for better or for worse, is what's happening. Uh, hopefully it'll be good. I'm starting to enjoy doing these more. Uh, don't get me wrong, I will always prefer uh, doing the episode with somebody. I love having somebody to talk to, have ideas bounce off of, and I genuinely love the... genuinely and generally love the uh love the discussion with someone um but i i'm not hating or dreading doing these solo episodes as much as i used to um yeah so before i get into today's topic i wanted to give a specific plug or shout out to another podcast uh, it's called hot takes with billy business uh if you don't know who billy business is he is part of the screen junkie slash fandom entertainment team uh and he has a podcast where despite the humorous name uh and i say humorous because it's uh it's not just a bunch of people dishing out hot takes and being like hey i'm trying to upset you and all that it's always a civil discussion and billy and his guest will be coming will have an opinion on a film that is often contrary to the the general opinion a good example is he did an episode defending x-men the last stand and he articulated his points very very well um another recent one he did with uh i can't remember the guest name but they talked about star trek generations which was one of my least favorite trek movies and they made it sound a lot more uh enjoyable and made me look at it a different way so i might revisit uh uh trek generations through that lens um but we'll see we'll see and they the him and his guests always point out like some great things like about some of the behind the scenes stuff like they did an episode on justice league which is a very bad movie um 
But they pointed out so much of, I forgot how much behind-the-scenes tumult was going on. You had the issues with Paramount, with um, Henry Cavill's amazing mustache not being allowed in the movie. Which, they should have just let in the movie. That mustache was majestic. Um, you can see a picture online of Cavill in the, the Superman suit. Uh, but with the stash, and it it, oh, it was it was beautiful. I wish they kept it in the movie. Anyways, there was that stuff. There was the directors changing. There was DC, the Warner Bros. guys being a lot more controlling of Snyder. And then stuff with pay cuts. And uh, like, no, you can't do this because we've got a merger going on. Just so much stuff. The movie actually probably should have been much worse than it was. Um, anyways, the Billy Business's podcast... Hot Takes with Billy Business is full of interesting st stuff like that and well-discussed viewpoints. So if you're into film and you like hearing this kind of thing, definitely check them out. They're on iTunes. They're on Podbean. I'm pretty sure they're everywhere where podcasts are. So definitely give them a listen. Uh, now that that's done, <laughs> sorry, not done in a bad way. I just really wanted to do the shout-out. But now that the shout-out portion is finished... Um, I wanted to talk today about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because why not? It's a super fun franchise. Um, yesterday, I watched two movies, and that's what kicked me off on wanting to talk about this. Uh, the first one was not a, Ninja not a Ninja Turtles movie at all. It was actually Catherine Bigelow's, I believe, first movie uh, called K-19 The Widowmaker. It's a movie I actually really, really love and enjoy. Um, I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, and it's not very well known, but it's it's a great film. Uh, there's there's a couple issues, but it's to me a, a fantastic film. It gets very tense, uh, really dramatic, but in the right kind of way. It is based on a true story, and from my understanding, it is fairly accurate. It does take liberties, but what movie doesn't? I mean, aside from Space Jam, there hasn't been a real life, uh, like a real true story to movie, but in Space Jam's case, it was in the guise of a kid's movie. Um, nah, that's true. Michael Jordan definitely could have reached halfway across the, the basketball court. I almost said field. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, if you if you ever get the chance, check out K-19. It actually has, uh, it's starring Harrison Ford and Liam Neeson. It is a Russian sub-movie. They don't really commit to the Russian accents, but I gotta give them a lot of credit. At times, they nailed the inflections, and, uh, it's actually one of my favorite Harrison Ford performances. Um, yeah, he's stern, he's grumpy, but it's not like the the typical or like character of Harrison Ford. Uh, the the typical Harrison Ford performance. It's Harrison Ford the actor, and Harrison Ford the actor is good. Um, and it, it there's a lot of really good subtle acting in that movie, um, especially from Ford. So if you ever get the chance, check it out. Um, the other movie I watched was actually one of my favorite comic book movies of all time. It's in my top five, and it was the original 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Um, and that made me want to explore... Ninja Turtles more. I know a lot of people, when you think of TMNT, you think of the 1987 cartoon, which is not something I go to automatically. Um, it's something I might try to revisit again in a little bit, but last time I revisited it, I was like, alright, uh, outside of the nostalgia of I enjoyed this as a kid, there's not anything for me here. It's it, To me, it's it's not that good. 
Like it was fun to watch as a kid, and there's there is that nostalgia and comfort, um, and that crazy awesome catchy theme song. But the rest of the time, I'm like, eh, it, it didn't hold up. Like I grew up with Batman the animated series, Spider Man the animated series, X Men the animated series, Justice League slash Justice League Unlimited, Batman Beyond. Uh, I was spoiled with comic book cartoons and those were outstanding cartoons and they all they all hold up today and they are stuff that works for kids but definitely works for adults uh it's not like a inappropriate adult but it's stuff you can watch as a grown-up as a comic book fan and be like dang they nailed this they they got this right um and then to give another cartoon in a similar vein credit uh spectacular spider-man excellent might be the best spider-man cartoon uh tmnt sorry to say the 1987 ninja turtles cartoon is not in that category um i don't think it's aged well i it's not my favorite take on the turtles i get that's what most people think of when they think of the turtles and hey power to them or in this case turtle power to them that's great it's just it's not my thing um the 1990 film is, is my thing, as well as the outstanding IDW uh, comics that I have read. I think I've read up to issue 50 on, so I'm I'm almost 50 issues behind. But it is it's if you ever get the chance to check them out, it's excellent. I've got a couple here that I'm gonna quickly show the camera. Uh, yeah, it cover it redoes the turtles' origins. It brings in so many facets of Ninja Turtles, like, f throughout time. Uh, sorry, I'm stalling because I'm holding. Look at that awesome Shredder art. And a great micro-series. And freaking Casey Jones, son. Um, yeah, the, uh, the IDW series was fantastic. It's... Like I said, I can't comment on where it's at now because I'm well behind. But as I was reading it, it was one of my favorite ongoing titles. It and and Power Rangers um, from Boom Studios at that at the same time were like my favorite ongoing titles because they were they were nailing it. Uh, then there's also this. These come in very thick hardcovers. They're hard, uh, not hard to get. There's there's a number of them now. Um, it is a collection of the original Mirage comics, which were done as an homage slash parody to the overly uh, violent <laughs> uh, 1980s comics, uh, especially from Frank Miller. Um, there's a number of Daredevil references, like Splinter is a reference to Stick. Uh, the Foot Clan are a reference to The Hand. Um, man, they're so good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if, you get, if you're reading comics and you, you've somehow missed this title definitely pick it up uh i have up to i think volume 13 in trade paperback and every single volume is an excellent read they develop the characters so well they drop in so many references throughout to the old comics even to some of the movies like it's a serious thing where they're facing off the technodrome uh and then Raphael's giving donatello some uh some gruff i think is a word um about his his password being uh donatello rocks machines or dust machines as a nice little reference to the theme from the 87 cartoon um that is it's oh man if 
I don't understand how the current movies, the last two, which I've only, I didn't bother with the first Michael Bay one. Um, and I saw the first half hour of, uh, out of the shadows. Cause Steve said, Hey, it's much better. Um, but I just couldn't get through the first half hour. Um, a blueprint for a good Ninja Turtle story is in the IDW comics. You could totally do that. It would be fantastic. Or, hey, if Prime or someone wanted to make a show, I'd watch the heck out of that show. Um, yeah. So, back to the the, the movie. Because that's, that's what I'm going to be mostly talking about. Because as much as I love the IDW run, as much as I enjoy the early Mirage comics and some... There was the 2003 to 2010 animated series, which I've watched off and on, but they had the big series finale as a movie, Turtles Forever, that's excellent. Um, the thing I most associate with Ninja Turtles is the 1990 film. It's And to me, it's it's just fantastic. Um, I, I legit have no complaints. I know some people do, uh, and you can say it like, oh, well, the animatronics and blah, blah, blah. Like... They had a budget of $13.5 million. It was an independent movie that no big studio was getting behind, and it, to me, it turned out masterfully. Um, it is 100% Raphael's movie, um, because, it, debatably, outside of Raphael and Leonardo, um, no other turtle, with the exception of Michelangelo in the third terrible movie... Um, gets much development in these movies um it's primarily Raphael because he's he like he's the one who's most out loud about his feelings um he's very very angry uh but in a in a good way like he's he feels isolated he feels like a freak he, but he's not it's he oh man such a good character he's my favorite turtle um the 1990 film actually to me is a great balance and also if you're making a new turtle movie base it off of that if not the idw comics base it off of that film because it was a great blend of the early mirage comics of the 1987 show so the show i believe and if i'm wrong please correct me introduced the colored uh masks because in the Earliest issues of the comic, it was black and white, so you can see. But then when they did add color, they were all red. Uh, the show added the colors, and then they also also, also added the initialized uh, belts for kids' cartoon reasons, uh, which thankfully weren't in the movie. But the movie did inherit some of the personality of the turtles from the uh, from the show. Now the personalities were added in the comics, but it was amped up in the show. Raph in the movie is angry and aggressive like it was in the comic but he also has a lot of the sarcasm that he had in the show uh and the sarcasm also was there in the comics not saying the show invented it you get what i mean uh, but the show added the stuff like mikey being amped up mikey being the surfer uh and mikey in the movie is hilarious uh this film is incredibly quotable to me um like the dialogue is so good so funny um there's a bit when, uh, as a fight's happening, the foot soldiers are swinging at the turtles with these things called Bacentos, and Mikey's rolling on the floor, um, and Donatello's like, as they're swinging and missing, Donatello's like, 
good things these guys aren't lumberjacks. And Mikey's like, no joke. The only thing safe in the woods would be the trees. And uh, it's, it's the right kind of cheesy joke. But every time I watch it, it cracks me up. Um, Casey and Raph's fight and at the start of the movie, or near the start, I think it's like 10 minutes in, um, is full of great quotes. And then... <laughs> Like, Raphael hit Casey with his bat, so Casey's like, new game, and he pulls out a cricket bat, and then Raph's like, cricket? Nobody understands cricket. You gotta know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. And it's it's a silly, stupid line, but it still cracks me up every time. And whoever did the voices for all the, like, all the turtles nailed them, nailed their personalities. Um, Donnie and, Donnie and Mike were hilarious uh, Leo and Raph had some good emotional stuff. Um, like I said, even though it's mostly out of the turtle side, it's mostly like Raph's movie because he goes on the biggest emotional journey. Each guy gets, each turtle gets little moments to stand out. Um, they they do underplay Leonardo's leadership, but they still address it like he's the leader. But he's he's kind of chill, like not laid back chill, but he's. He's not the driving force. He's not the driving leader. It's like, nope, we're going to go do this. We'll do it. But Raph, Raph forces stuff to happen. Um, so it's... Yeah, it's so good. So good. Um, April O'Neil is well used. And that's probably the best April on the, on the big screen that I've seen yet. Um, she showed up in Armageddon. And I was like, it's April O'Neil! Um, Aliyah... Uh, Elias Costas. So I'm going to read the cast guy from the back of uh, the DVD while I hold up the DVD, which you should buy. Not a sponsor, but hey, New Line and uh, Laird and Eastman, if you want to work something out, let me know. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to find his name. Oh yeah, Elias Coteus. Coteus? I can't pronounce his name. Best Casey Jones ever, bar none. Um, he was so funny. And nailed the essence of that character. And I love Casey. He's actually one of my favorite characters from Ninja Turtles. And he was ah, oh, he was so good in this movie. Um, there is some stuff where you're like, how could a guy who's just swinging bats and golf clubs and stuff really fight ninjas? They should be able to like take him out. But in this movie, I don't care. It works. <laughs> they they make it work. Um, the movie does deal some with some good and heavy themes. There's loss. There's like angst angst about growing up trying to figure out your place in the world as you're a ninja as in this case as you're a ninja turtle but like try you're they're not really allowed to interact with the outside world they want to have friends but they can't have friends um it's there's loss splinter gets taken they're not sure if he's alive or dead so that sends them all downward raf is on death's door death's door after the foot beat the crap out of him like it's a it's a good movie there's there's a father who's an overbearing news executive i can't remember what he does he's april o'neill's boss but he seems to be like a well-meaning but overbearing father and his son's part of the foot clan not the ninja side but the side who just is in the street stealing stuff so there's, there's some emotional stuff going on, and the kid's just trying to figure out who he is. Not, they don't give him much time, but you still get a good get a good sense of who everybody is and kind of where they're at. Um, 
man, this movie is so good. It's, yeah, it's in my top five comic book movies easily. Uh, another great, so another couple things that really stand out about it, and then I'll move on. Um, the fight choreography to me stands out excellently. There's a lot of really good uses of uh, the ninja's weapons, except for Leonardo's, because he's using katanas. He'd kill people. Uh, he did in the comic, but they're not going to do that in the movie uh, until the end. Uh, <laughs> like he's there. They never say it, so in my head I'm like, oh, they're blunted. They're they're not supposed to slice, but he uses them. Uh, all that they all use the weapons um, and use them well, like without actually like stabbing somebody. Um, yeah. The fight choreography is really, really good. There's some inventive uses of them being turtles, like the double shells to the back of, to somebody's head, which if you're a five foot anthropomorphic turtle, a good hundred to 200 pounds, two of them hit you in the side of the head, that might kill you. But I don't know, I'm not a scientist. Someone might know though. Uh, and some really inventive stuff, like a guy swinging up Mikey's head with a basento and him ducking his head through in into his shell and popping back out uh leading to the i love being a turtle line um and then leo and raf doing this like rolling thing where the foot soldiers just keep backing up because they don't know what the heck's going on uh there's some really fun fights as well um where donatello's like friggin' hitting ninjas with his bow staff while riding a skateboard in the sewer um yeah the, the especially the third act um Actually, the whole movie, the second act has a lot of emotional stuff when they're off on the farm uh, as they're regrouping. Empire-esque, kind of. Uh, as they're regrouping, but then the third act, when they get back to the sewer, and then you got Casey off at the foot soldier's uh, lair, getting Danny get, trying to save Splinter and him facing off against uh, Tatsu, uh, who's hilarious. Like, not intent... I don't... I, He's hilarious intentionally because he's super duper serious. Um, I almost said not intentionally, but that that gives it a bad name. Uh, it's the right kind of hilarious when it's a, a very serious character. Um, yeah, friggin' love this movie. Uh, and then as they get to the big friggin' awesome fight with Shredder on the on the rooftop, and then eventually Splinter shows up, and then Shredder's thrown off the side of the roof, and then he tries to throw a knife at Splinter, Splinter catches it, drops Shredder, and then Casey Jones just casually, Shredder falls into the back of a dump, of a garbage truck, Casey Jones just oh so casually pushes down on the lever that the compressor thing for the garbage truck comes down on, and then Shredder's dead, uh, they never show him dead, but logic would dictate, dude's dead, uh, so casual murder is apparently okay. Um, but the, the fight choreography is great. All the characters are, to me, well-developed, even though some get more developed than others. Um, and the final thing that stands out to me is the film's music. Like, the soundtrack is fun with all the late 80s, early 90s rap, um, especially the Turtle Power song by, uh, Partners in Crime at the end. Um, but the, the score, which I think there's, like, 30 minutes of music, um, is terrific to me, uh, especially like two tracks in particular, the, um, it, on the score itself, it's one track, but it shows up in two scenes, the shredder theme, like from when he gets his absolutely gangster entrance at the, the foot soldier lair. Um, and he's walking down the hall and it's this long shot and you just see this cape, 
and this dude moving and then as he stands still the camera slowly pans around and then you get the shot of him and his gangster helmet and it's a very purple shirt um with sparkles not sparkling lights but it's borderline glitter but it works and it doesn't make him look any less gangster um that theme in particular that shot is awesome but then also the music at the end um during that that rooftop fight scene is it's very synthesizer heavy but it's it's wonderful um to me it's it's excellent it's great fight music and it's been stuck in my head since yesterday since i watched it and you can bet it's stuck in my head right now um but then also the other piece of music uh to me this is the ninja turtles theme song it is the theme from this movie it is it's so delightfully catchy um as i was watching the movie yesterday i anytime the theme was on i just start dancing i i couldn't help myself it's it's really good um so after this wonderful first movie uh, was a huge success. It was actually the ninth best-selling movie of 1990. Um, suddenly, everybody's like, "Hey, we want to do, we want to get behind you." So we got some sequels. Um, but also because the weapons were used so much, parents complained that, uh, "Hey, a movie with ninjas is using weapons. They don't do that in the cartoon." So we got the fun. But definitely inferior, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Use. Um, for live action sequels, it is easily the best. But it's definitely a different movie than the first one. The first one was, I want to say, like a marriage um, of the early Mirage comics and of the cartoon. This is much more of the cartoon just in a live action form. Uh, most of the cast come back, except for April, and Casey isn't here, which sucks, because Casey was awesome. Um, but you do dive into more of the Turtles' origin. Uh, Shredder shows back up alive in the garbage dump, which is, considering he was crushed by a compressor, and he fell, like, ten stories, like, dude's dead. Um, anyways, like, he, he's back, he doesn't really do anything, um... <laughs> It's, it's weird. There's fight scenes where the turtles are fighting a bunch of people and Shredder's legit just standing. Just standing, watching it happen, doing nothing. Um, but he's given a, a very gangster-looking mask, so it's cool. Um, and you get Toka and Razor, who to some people are a knockoff Bebop, are a second-rate uh, Bebop and Rocksteady, but for what they are, I love Toka and Razor. They're, to me, they're a lot of fun. Uh, the movie... It, it's not as good as the first one, but it's 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 enjoyable in its own right. It's a lot lighter, it's a lot kiddier, but it still does deal with some themes. Like, as the Turtles are finding out their origin, like, Donatello legit gets upset. He's like, I can't believe we're an accident. That Like, you cannot possibly tell me that we are, like, we are an accident. Because the guy who developed the ooze is like no no you should not have happened and on it like it's a tough pill to swallow and that's a that's something that's relatable as people are trying as you're trying to find your place and so and you're feeling like eh, i shouldn't be here or someone's like you shouldn't be here that it's an understandable and relatable reaction um the the fights are fun the movie and not as good as the first movie um and the what like i said the weapons are 
substantially use less. Uh, most of the time now it's just punches and kicks. In fact, at one point, Michelangelo, who has nunchucks, drops his nunchucks in favor of grabbing um, sausages that are strand together and yells like, uh, combat cold cuts, <laughs> which funny, but yeah. Uh, and at one point they're trapped in a friggin' giant net and they're like trying to kick out and none of them are, are understand, like can you break out and they're freaking out cause they're about to be dropped on some sharp stuff. And Leonardo has his swords, his katanas in their holders on his back in this giant net. Yeah. That could have been solved. Um, but that's what you get when you start doing... You're deliberately catering more to a younger audience. Which, to be fair, at the time was most of Ninja Turtles' audience. Um, but I, I love the original film for embracing that. And a later film, which I'll get to in a minute, that embraced that um, a bit of things as well. So you had... Then after that, you had uh, Teenage Mutant, Mutant Ninja Turtles 3... Um, later called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 Turtles in Time. They end up going back in time. There's time travel stuff. Casey Jones is back, but is a babysitter. The performance is great, but a complete waste of the character. Um, it's a bad movie. Like, it's bad. There's, to me, nothing redeemable. Nothing redeemable about it. Um, like, I can get enjoyment out of Secret of the Use. I get nothing out of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. It's it's garbage. Um, yeah. Like, I'll take the how the turtles looked in that over how they looked in the two Michael Bay films. But, aside of that, nothing. Nothing. Garbage. Uh, so then, it actually, I think it came out in 95, and it killed turtles on the big screen for 12 years. Uh, and then we got a loose sequel, but still a sequel. Um, to Ninja Turtles with 2007's CGI TMNT, which is, to me, the second best Ninja Turtles movie. It's a mixed bag, um, to be sure, but it's it's a great Ninja Turtles movie. The pros far outweigh the cons. The music, uh, the choice of music with sound, uh, not the, the score. The score is really good, but the choice of music is odd. It didn't always fit, um, but that is what it is. Um, the animation for the human characters doesn't always hold up. I would have loved if they went with a, a different villain than um, than the one they did in the movie. But I was fine with the villains for what they were. They were new. They were just introduced there. The idea was if this was successful, we'll do others later. But then instead they went the reboot route. And I wish we got a, a follow-up to this one. Um, it, it the, They look... The, the turtles themselves look phenomenal. Uh, each brother has a insanely well-developed uh, personality in this one. They are all great. Um, and there's one scene in particular that if you're going to watch this movie, watch this scene. Uh, or if you're not sure on this movie, watch the scene, and then I think you'll be sure on this movie to give it a shot. Um, Leonardo and Raph have a very strained relationship. Because after, so it's the idea of after the defeat of the Shredder, um, Leo was sent to South America to train so he could learn to be a better leader. Um, but Raph didn't take that very well. 
and then the turtles aren't really going out into the night and helping anymore. So Donatello is doing IT, uh, over the phone IT support. Michelangelo is uh, doing kids' costume parties, but as a uh, cowabunga turtle pizza person. Um, and then Raphael, he's, everybody's like, he just sleeps all day. He does nothing, but he's going out into the night as a vigilante, like really armored up so you can't, nobody would think it's a turtle. Um, except Casey Jones, he's like, nah, dude, you still look like a turtle. Um, and then when Leonardo gets back, Raph has a rough time with that because he's been operating solo because he's like, we need to do something. We can't do nothing. Uh, and then Leo being in charge, like, always seems to rub Raph the wrong way. Um, and there's one great emotional scene where Leonardo is trying to track down who Raph at, like, the vigilante that Raph has become, and I can't remember his name. And then they fight. And then when Leonardo figures out like his mask gets knocked off and it's Raph and then they just have like a good brother fight like for it's emotional it's heavy they're just going at each other like you left like what what was I supposed to do and it's like you're supposed to calm the heck down and like valid points from both and then Raph is like you just you need to stop thinking you're better than me and then Leonardo's like I am better than you um, and that's relatable, I think, to a lot of siblings. And not in the... It's something that siblings and other people encounter. Uh, the best of people and the worst of people. It's just something that's there. Um, and then they have a really good fight. The fight animation in this movie is terrific. And then stuff happens. I don't want to spoil the whole movie. Um, but look up that rooftop scene. It's excellent. Uh, and then at the end, there's the tease that the Shredder's coming back, which is great. And then it, it never followed up. Um... <laughs> So yeah, that I just wanted to do a quick jaunt through uh, through Ninja Turtles. Um, I did not see the the first Michael Bay produced one because it looked awful. Um, it looked terrible, and from everything I've heard, it is terrible. I tried to watch Out of the Shadows because um, Steve said, "Hey, I actually watched this. It's not great, but it's much better than the last one." I got through about 30 minutes. I'm like, I'm good. Um, it's not clicking for me. But I heard Bebop and Rocksteady were very entertaining. I just, I couldn't even, I didn't even get to them. Like, I couldn't sit through the first bit. But I'm hope there, there is another reboot coming. So I've got some hopes for that. This is a franchise that has been on TV in some way or another uh, for almost 30 years. Actually, no, at this point, over 30 years. There was a break in there. Um, I think what killed it was after Ninja Turtles 3. Oh, yeah, it was. After Ninja Turtles 3, you had the live-action uh, show, which was a loose continuation of the movies, um, The Next Mutation, which booted Shredder after the first episode and added the very, very controversial uh, female turtle, Venus de Milo, Yep. Uh, and yeah, I don't remember it being good. The only thing I like out of that era of the Turtles was the crossover with Power Rangers in space, which was everything right with everything right and everything wrong with both of those shows at that time. <laughs> uh, 
Um, it was somehow a simultaneous high, highlight and low light. Um, or high point, high point and low point. But it was fun. It's a fun... It, it, it was a fun crossover. Uh, Power Rangers in Space was much, much better than uh, Next Mutation. And funnily enough, when they were doing the uh, the TMNT movie, the people who were writing it and making it asked um, Peter Laird, like, hey, what can I... What can we include? What can we not include? And he was, like, not even joking. It's like, you cannot at all include Venus de Milo. It's something that he hates. Peter Laird hates with a passion. I don't know how Kevin Eastman feels about it, but Kevin's been Kevin Eastman's been involved in the comics with IDW and they've never brought or hinted at Venus since. So yeah, <laughs> that's tells you what the uh the impact that character had on the franchise was. Um so out of the reboot, um, I'm hoping first and foremost, good. I'd, I'd like it to be good. Um, I'd, if, if it could be anything, I'd say, like I said, um, something that's like the 1990s film or the IDW comics or even turtles forever, which, or TMNT, the CG one, which embraces all aspects of turtles. Um, doesn't focus too much on just like, debatably the 1987 cartoon is the most successful thing so i get that they're wanting they're going to want to go back to that well but that was successful at that time it wouldn't necessarily be successful today and you can embrace that while still growing in a new direction the turtles cartoon from 2003 the one with turtles forever in it did that it uh it did it added new stuff shredder in that show ended up being like a cross between Shredder and Kang or Krang, um, which was a very interesting way to go, but they, they made it work. Um, yeah, I'd love to see something like that where if you could get like, you could get some awesome fight scenes out of this, especially at one point before the, uh, Michael Bay one came out, they were like picture fighting style, like the raid, but with Ninja Turtles, I'm like, Oh my goodness. Yes. They never delivered that. Friggin' deliver that. That would be outstanding. Um, but along with that, like a, a mix of the light and serious. Um, yeah, I uh, mostly I want it to be good. Or something that can capture that, that marriage of uh, all things turtles. That, like, I, like the examples I've given before and I'm about to give again now, uh, that the 1990 film turtles forever and uh tmnt and did i say a fourth one nope those three uh that those those captured I, I would love that um and of course love casey jones to be worked in there and a good shredder a good shredder again would be nice um yeah and if you could oh of course the fourth thing was the idw comics and if you want a good long-running story to base this sucker on use that it's all there and it's excellent um all right. All that being said, uh, thank you, dear listener. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. What do you think of the, uh, the Ninja Turtles? What was your favorite movie? What was your f- who's your favorite turtle? And uh, what's your favorite cartoon of of the Ninja Turtles? Let me know in the comic comics. Oh my goodness! 
uh, let me know in the comments below. I hope you enjoy. Um, and yeah, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for your support of One Cross Radio. I know I rambled a bit. I'll, I'll try to get better. <laughs> um, can't promise I will, but I'll try. I'll try. All that being said, we have a wonderful day, and God bless, my friends. Take care. Peace. Oh yeah. Threat level midnight makes all the girlies feel all right. From Madonna to Madeline, all bright. Threat level midnight. It's a threat, a level, a level, level threat. He's the greatest hockey star I've ever seen yet. Threat level what? Midnight. Threat level who? Michael Scon. Threat level why? Apartheid. Gotta fight it, free Mandela. Peace, I'm out. <laughs>